So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production. It's being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, the 19th of July, it's the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to produce the programme again this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping on this this uh, July weekend? I tell you, it's it's going well. Thanks be to God. Um, COVID is still with us, but we we have an awful lot to be thankful for. The churches are opening, and we're we're meeting people around the locality. And um, well, I hope I hope now, John, when you're meeting people, you're socially distancing and you're wearing masks. Naturally, but it was wonderful, wonderful to be back at mass actually during the week. I was able to go to mass during the week. And for me, I know I, I've been I've been attending mass and trying to respond to the mass uh, online, but it's great to be there in person and to be able to receive all the communion. It, it was something special. I appreciate it, and I'm thankful for that. But I in the meantime, I, I, I'm saying myself, I I'm not going at the weekends. I'm going during the week. Yeah. Uh, because the dispensation has been is is there. But like you said, it it, it was nice to be back. It was lovely. And I, we want to especially welcome, as usual, our listeners who are housebound. Maybe those who couldn't get to Mass during the week yet. Those who are lonely and struggling in some way. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you haven't been able to meet up with your family as much as you'd like to. Maybe you don't meet up with anybody. Thank you for joining us this morning and thank you indeed as well for the messages that you do pass on to us. Saying how much you appreciate and enjoy the programme. And thank you for that. Please keep us in your prayers. This programme, as people would be aware at this stage, is broadcast in West Limick 102. It's a local radio station in West Limick at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. And the podcasts of this programme are just some of the Come and See Inspiration podcasts available on our Playback and Download Inspirationals podcast page. It's Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Really just to access that, just Google Come and See Inspirations and you find us there. And we've got the programmes going back over a number of years. And if there's something in particular that you can't find there at the moment, maybe you can give us a text or give us an email. And our text is 087-6088-667 or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. If you do that, and we'll certainly get back to you and help, it out, and help you out in accessing that. Just again, just to note, a 10 a.m. Mass of a Sunday morning is now um, part of it, actually, includes a broadcast of Mass from Abbeyfield Church in Abbeyfield by Father Tony Mullins and the parishioners. We thank them indeed for allowing us to join them. So that's at 10 a.m. Uh, it's a Sunday morning. This Sunday morning, actually, our guest will also be featured after Mass as we play back for the last 20 minutes of the programme. Uh, but our usual programme, this particular programme that we have here on, on Sacred Space each week, continues to be broadcast at 11pm each Sunday night. And just to remind you again, uh, contact details, that text in 87 or email us at comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Last week I asked the question, and maybe just to remind listeners again, Please do contact us with, with maybe questions. And I think last week I just posed the question because I'd be interested in myself. Maybe we all have favourite saints. A saint that we've heard about somewhere in our, in our life's journey. And we'd like to know a little bit more about that saint. Well, why, why don't you know, text us the name of that particular saint? And if possible, maybe the feast day. And we'll get our guru here, Shane Ambrose, to go dig in uh, and, and find some information for us to share with us. And again, just to remind the text... 
087-6088-667 or email cominsinspirations at gmail.com. Now, Shane, I'd say you'd be well able to manage that. You might have a problem, though, if I asked you to sing a song. But you, <laughs> <laughs> but you better tell us about the Saints. Anyway, Saints, uh, Saints will do this week. Sure, no hassle. Now, I would like you know a small bit of notice, John. Don't put me on the spot completely. Of course, no, but no, anyway. no, no. <laughs> you, you can pick so, your own song. It's okay. Okay, liturgical, liturgical <laughs> odds and ends for this week, as we used to call it. Um, so, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. It's the 16th week in ordinary time, and as John said at the top of the program, today is the 16th Sunday in ordinary time. Monday, the 20th of July is the feast day of St. Apollinaris. He's a second century priest, very well-known bishop, and suffered martyrdom uh, around in, in the region of Ravenna in Italy. So that's St. Apollinaris, he's a bishop and martyr, and we celebrate his feast day on the, sec on the 20th of July. On the 21st of July, we celebrate the feast day of St. Lawrence of Brindisi. Now, this gentleman died in 1619. He was a Capuchin. He was a famous Capuchin who preached very much and was involved with preaching and lead and guiding and teaching on the Counter-Reformation. Uh, he's involved, or he's, he was, he's known for having been, um, I don't know if you call him a, a leader or a chaplain, to uh, one of the armies that came out of the German regions to fight against the Turks in Hungary, uh, so against those that had, had taken over the city of Constantinople, and he gained peace as well for the people of Naples. And as I said, he died in 1619. That's St. Lawrence of Brindisi. Then on Wednesday, and our big one, John, we have the feast day of St. Mary Magdalene, feast that was introduced to the church a number of years ago by Pope Francis, the Apostle to the Apostles, the woman who proclaimed the resurrection to the Apostles and encouraged Peter and John to go to the tomb and one of the first to see the resurrected Lord. Very, very, um, I think, uh, proper feast day mm, to yeah. honour in the church's calendar, that for, of the feast of St. Mary Magdalene. So we celebrate her feast day on the 22nd of July. The 23rd of July is the feast day of St. Bridget of Sweden. She's one of the patrons of Europe. She's up there with her own St. Colum Kill, and I'm trying to think who else is there, Edith Stein. There's six of them, and I can't think of the top of them. Uh, St. Benedict, and the other two escape me at the moment, but I'll think of it in a minute. St. Bridget of Sweden, she was a patron of the blog about two or three years ago, John. She was born in Sweden, 1303. She's one of these royal saints. Uh, she founded the Brigitine Order and she went to live in Rome. Now, the Brigitine Order, if you ever see the Brigitine Order, they're very distinctive habit, John. They look like they're wearing, I don't know what you'd call it, like a... Wings. Uh, <laughs> no, not wings. No. Their veil is kept in place by a kind of a version of a crown of thorns that's very flat. They're very distinctive if you'd see them. Um, she died in Rome in 1373 and she was declared a patron of Europe in the year 2000 by John Paul II. And the order is still in existence today as far as I'm aware. But very unusual habit. Then on Friday, the 24th, we have a feast day. Now this is a newish one. It's the feast day of St. Sherbal Mahlouf. And he's a, he's a saint of the, of the Maronite church, which is very much associated with Lebanon. And it's the monastery of St. Maron and he in and Anania, and he was ordained in 1859. He was a hermit until his death in 1898, and he was much sought, of, sought after for counsel and blessing and a great personal devotion to the, uh, to the Blessed Sacrament. And he was canonized there a couple of years ago. I think it was by Benedict XVI. The interesting thing about him is there is actually a great devotion to him across the communities in Lebanon. 
it's not just the Christian community. There's quite a degree of 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 devotion to him among the Muslim community as well, which I saw when I was in uh, when I lived in Lebanon for a number of years. On the Irish calendar, we celebrate the feast of Saint Declan on, on Friday the 24th. Then finally on Saturday the 25th of July, another big one in the calendar, John. It is the feast day of Saint James the Apostle, Santiago de Compostela, Saint James the Great, of course, for those a son of Zebedee, and of course this year, of course, not many people will be able to do the trek, the Camino de Santiago. Um, that he was the son of Zebedee, brother of John, called the Greater, as opposed to the, the smaller man, James the Less. He was put to death by Herod Agrippa around the year 44, and is one of the first of the apostles to suffer martyrdom for Christ. And of course, the tradition is his remains are at Compostela in Spain. So that's what we have, John, in terms of liturgical odds and ends for this week. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. And there's, uh, just to let listeners know, there's a few little ideas that myself and Shane always keep on bouncing off each other in terms of guests for the programme. I mean, to give you some idea, uh, I know we're in touch with Loch Derg, uh, and we hope to bring those on uh, the programme in the next week or two. Also been in touch with Marion Carroll. People might remember Marion Carroll. Uh, Marion is the lady who had the, the cure at Knock in 1989. So hoping to speak with Marion. And there's a few more ideas that we're bouncing off each other, but maybe listeners might have an idea or maybe a request for us to talk about A, a subject, or B, to interview somebody. I know Shane also, um, just let me know recently, of a man who has returned after spending many years in Kenya. So there's, a, there's another person. But there might be people like that. It might be a vocational story. It might be a memory of your own family. You know, it might be somebody, a, a nun or a Christian brother or a priest who's been abroad maybe and, and served many a year. Uh, they maybe come back and want to share their story with us. If so, please text us 087-6088-667 or come and see inspirations at gmail.com. In the meantime, at uh, uh, this part of the programme, is where we pray this spirit of communion prayer. This is, of course, for those who couldn't receive Jesus at Mass in more recent times and this week. And the best way, of course, to receive Jesus is in Holy Communion. Yet for those times you can't get Mass, you can still reach out to him by making a spirit of communion in prayer. The prayer is, My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. I'd just like to add that too, maybe just a prayer of thanks too, for for being able, for those of us who have been able to go back to Mass and receive Holy Communion sacramentally. And we thank God for that. Um, Just as I I was praying the Spirit of Communion prayer, just something that I I picked up during the week too. We could also make, I know these days we can't get to the uh, Sacrament of Reconciliation. But again, we can make a spiritual act of reconciliation. We can do that, of course, as a daily basis, uh, but, but, but as often as we can, until we can get back sacramentally to be able to uh, receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation sacramentally from a priest. But now we'll go for our first bit of music. piece of music we've chosen this morning to start off the programme is by James Coban. Maybe this is one we'd all like. It's Take Hold of My Hand. So join us again in part two, where we have a special guest joining us this morning. Could I see 
try to pray Would you understand I'm drifting away To a far distant land Please bring me back Take hold of my hand Take hold of my Sacred Space 102, a Come and See production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you back on the second part of the programme. And I'm still joined here on the programme today by John Keeley. And we're delighted to welcome to the programme this morning Bishop Brendan Lee. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. How are you keeping? Good morning to Shane. I'm well, thank you. Very good, Bishop. Delighted to have you on the programme. So we we said we'd have you back on, just have a, a catch-up. We, we were talking to you a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the whole lockdown. And I suppose as Limerick, and the whole country, but as the diocese, of course, has been kind of part of the rephasing of the phasing of the openings that have been happening, I suppose, uh, just to touch base with you and see how things are going. And I suppose 
you know, from your perspective, you know, as as we've we've reopened the churches, I think we're now into our third weekend. I think it is at this stage. From your perspective, I suppose, what would be the do's and don'ts um, that you would, you know, be, be be kind of expecting of parishes around the diocese? Well, of course, the first, the first do is just let's thank God that we have the chance to be back in churches again. I think a lot of people really missed coming together every Sunday. So the first thing is it's great that we have this possibility and thank God for that. So that's definitely a do. Of course, this, the, the main do has to be let's follow the public regulations and advice as best as possible. And I really want to give huge credit to the um, parishes throughout the diocese priests and lay people involved really have done a huge amount of work in getting the churches in place, getting everything marked out properly, getting the cleaning facilities, the uh, sanitising facilities worked out, making sure church is cleaned after every mass. That's really wonderful. So I suppose we're just appealing to everybody to really, really follow the directions when they go to church. The stewards are there telling them where to sit and all the rest and to make sure we do that as best as possible increasingly the advice seems to be wear masks. I think the government might even bring that in now looking at the news. So that's really something we might uh, clearly want to do. And um, it's important, I think, because it's not just for ourselves, it's for the people who come to church. We want to be for them as well, careful in what we're doing. So there certainly do's. Um, the don'ts, I suppose, are literally don't be overly afraid of coming to church. Of course, people have rightly to be cautious. If people have underlying conditions, certainly they shouldn't come. We will still be streaming masses. There will still be the possibility of getting mass. Some people are deciding to come and stay in the car park and listen to the if we're, where there are loudspeakers, listen to the mass through the loudspeaker. Some are deciding to go during the week because, of course, uh, the obligation to attend Mass on Sunday has been dispensed, so it is possible to go if you want someday during the week, and um, that that that's a possibility. But you know, don't be overly afraid. I think the, the the conditions are good now in the church; it is safe. I think a lot of people are finding that in coming back. But don't be afraid as well to make suggestions, propose, give ideas if there are uh, things you notice that you feel this could be done another way or better, by all means, give us those ideas. We've a lot of material put up on our website, our, our Limerick Diocesan website. And uh, again, great credit to people there. We had a webinar a preparation uh, video, which you can get. But we also have a question and answer sheet, which is up on the website. And again, we're delighted if people want to send in a question or whatever that can be um, answered and put up on the website. Maybe other people might have the same question. So they're kind of things, they're points that I think I'd like to mention. OK, no, I think that's 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 fair enough. A um, couple of things, I suppose, uh, uh, people have asked us maybe and over over the last couple of weeks. And I said, well, do you know what? Now, when we have the bishop on, we'll ask him these questions. He'd be the right man to answer them. Um, one of the questions that has come up is what's going to happen with First Holy Communions and confirmations? There was, um, you, you had announced that some would take place during the summer. Has there been any further developments on that front? Yes. At this stage, I think most parishes are are landing, as it were, because it, it took a bit of time. It is taking a bit of time because you have to work out the dynamics in the sense that because of the restriction of numbers in each church, the amount of children who could be confirmed or make their first communion at any one time is is quite restricted. Now, um, most, I think, parishes are more or less getting there. And I, I know a lot of parishes at this stage have the dates settled. Broadly speaking, confirmation is taking place 
the last two weeks of August, from let's say August the 14th, 15th onwards, we have confirmation ceremonies taking place at um, different days. Some are doing them maybe two or three ceremonies on one day. Some are doing evening ceremonies. I know one particular pastoral unit are going to a large venue, I think uh, the race course or whatever, and thereby able to confirm more children at the one time while keeping within the numbers for outdoor gatherings. So, yeah, the numbers are that the dates are now being fixed. I think that's being communicated to, to families because children, uh, families register their children and we do have the contact details. So as far as I know, most parishes have, have probably made contact with the families and, uh, as I say, are indicating the dates. What we have then prepared, and this is a good thing, good news story, uh, we are preparing three short videos, three for First Holy Communion, three for Confirmation. And the idea will be, we'll be sending them out now in the next week or two, that we would encourage families to get together and together with their son or daughter who is making either the First Communion or Confirmation to look at the video and take it as your preparation. Normally the children will be at school, they'll be up and down to the church, there would be all that kind of preparation. The priest would be in and out talking to them. That isn't going to happen this time around same way. So we've come up with this other way of doing it, where we'll provide videos. And I'm delighted that our own father, Chris O'Donnell, uh, is one uh, person involved in the videos and two young teachers. And I have seen the first of the videos, I must say that I'm, I'm impressed with them. And um, I think it'll be a lovely thing for the family to get together and watch the video and prepare that way. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. One other thing I think that's come up, um, Bishop Brendan, is the question of open air masses. So particularly, I suppose, out the county, July and August would traditionally have been a time for graveyard masses and, of course, patron days in certain parts of the diocese. What's the situation with those at the moment? Yeah, well, the situation there is complex. I, obviously, Outdoor gatherings are allowed and there's a, a certain number of people are allowed up to, I think, 200 people are allowed gathered together. So, you know, in, here and there I've been asked, could there be an outdoor mass, meaning the ordinary Sunday mass could be held outside the church or whatever. And I, I think that's something that could happen. Of course, Irish weather doesn't lend itself too easily to some of these things. However, I personally have a reservation about the cemetery masses in this sense that the cemetery masses bring together families. And families maybe who haven't always been able to meet, especially now in recent months in the COVID crisis. And also they're coming at a time, you know, it's a poignant moment. They're, amen they're remembering loved ones in the past. And then in some cases, the very recent past, they've had a bereavement. And then in some cases, it may even have been a difficult bereavement because of the COVID crisis and the, the funeral arrangement and all that. So that there would be a high degree of... Um, I suppose, uh, desire to really embrace, and uh, be affectionate with one another, rightly so. And I just would have a sense that doing uh, a, a grave, having a, grave, a graveyard mass, a cemetery mass, there just is a slight risk there from my point of view that we'd really let down the guard a little bit during those masses. Personally, I would be inclined to say let's postpone them. The, mm -hmm. pr the priest can bless, uh, of course, the priest can bless the graves do that ceremony himself clearly that can happen but whether or not um an event should take place with a few hundred people at it in that context in the context of a bereavement etc i just would have a reservation 
Okay, no, that's 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 fair enough. Um, I suppose one of the other things I suppose just to say, I suppose, and that we should point out to people is that the application of the, the the public regulations, as you said, that's one of the things that we should follow, which is the the fifty limit or whatever it is, the the social distancing and and the cleaning and all that that has to go on in the churches. Um, I suppose it's just to say that each of those things has been adapted, I suppose, for local circumstances, because I know it can be a a, a, a point of concern that maybe there's variations between parishes and how that's been done, because obviously there's local circumstances. Yes, well, in each case, what I've said is that it's the parish that really has to take responsibility for it. We have two volunteers for every parish, parish church, and they are entrusted with the task of overseeing the arrangements together with the priest for the church. We did provide a webinar um, training session for them. We've also got a question and answer fact sheet, as I've mentioned, and we've resources up on our website. So we've done a lot of work in trying to train people. So um, generally speaking, my sense is that the volunteers are really approaching that with a great sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the stewards, likewise, are volunteering their time and doing it with a great sense of responsibility. But we've all to help each other, naturally. If somebody sees something that could be improved, look, make sure they say it. And that, mm-hmm. that I'm sure, will be taken on board. It's important mm-hmm. to do that. Looking at some of the, the wider issues, I suppose, just around COVID, Bishop Leahy, um, I suppose it was with a bit of concern, I think, that Catholics would have read the news about the, the financial difficulties that the Dublin Archdiocese is going on through at the moment, and with things like having to let go some of their staff and the cuts to the allowances for the clergy. From Limerick's perspective, um, how do we stand uh, Limerick is no different, I think, from to anybody else. The sheer uh, obvious fact <laughs> that's that's very mm. clear is since March the whatever it is, twelfth or fifteenth, since we ha- no longer had the public celebration of the sacraments in church, the and the churches were actually physically closed until about three weeks ago. Literally, very very little money would have come in. Although I do want to pay credit to those people who did make donations uh, during that time, and of course some people made generous donations as well in terms of the Easter Jews. That has happened a bit to some extent, but overall, you would have to say our financial situation has, um, oh yeah, suffered greatly since mm-hmm. March. There is some recovery going on at the moment, but naturally nothing uh, substantial because those who are coming to church now, in terms of the numbers allowed, come to church for a start. And those actually coming back uh, would be dramatically reduced compared to before COVID. So that's it. that is an issue we're going to have to address. And it's it's very much on my mind, of course. Okay. Looking, I suppose, as well at those bigger issues, I suppose one of the things is that We've, we're very much focused, I suppose, on the practical and we're trying to get things reopened. But looking, you know, as we move out of the kind of the, the initial lockdown, I suppose one of the things that people will say is, as a praying community, as a faith community, where, where, where is the learning for us as a praying community, as, as a praying community, as we reflect on this process that we're going through? I suppose there's the, practical, there's the side of practicalities but also, I suppose, the more fundamental things about us as a, as a faith community. What, what do you think we can learn from, from what we have, we've gone through in the last couple of months? Well, it's true. As a faith community, we, all, we believe God is present in all circumstances, all circumstances. So there is something. God draws good out of everything. And I think in this particular case, perhaps we're still a bit too near it to read it. But I think 
uh, a few obvious things strike me. Number one, it's put the culture in at large, I suppose, before very deep questions about life, about mortality. We, we've all known somebody perhaps who has been taken away prematurely by this virus and that's given us a jolt. Um, we all have been very aware of the fact that it could hit any of us. And that too has, I suppose, spiritually impacted on people probably in a way that might not be immediately easily diagnosed, but I suspect it's deep and that is it is in people. But moving on from that, I, I think we saw some developments. We saw clearly a greater sense in many cases of families coming together for moments of prayer. Some families established little um, sacred spaces in their house. Certainly we saw people going online to find liturgies. Um, the, mass, the Sunday Mass, obviously, big numbers went online for that. But beyond that, we I've heard of people looking up prayers online in a new way. For instance, because of the COVID, in some cases, the clergy weren't allowed to go to be with the family or whatever the circumstance might be. And some family members would have gone online looking to see how, for instance, you say the rosary. How, how does the rosary work? Because they wanted to do that for a loved one who was either dying or, or died or they were, there was a funeral scenario where they realized we want to do prayers. And of course, we've heard a wonderful example of some of the hospital staff praying with those who are dying or praying with the seriously ill. So in a way, what I want to say is that, you know, there was a cartoon somebody sent me, which I liked. It was kind of a, a cartoon of this kind of imaginary conversation between devil, the devil and God, the devil saying to God, look, I managed to close down all your churches. But God responding, saying, I don't worry. Look how many churches have opened up in families. And I think there is something in that, that some families at least gained a new sense that we are church and not just church by, because we say prayers. Church because the way we are with one another, the way we try to support and help each other, the, ultimately the new commandment, the way we love one another, that has been an important, I think, learning. More broadly speaking in the culture, um, I think too there's a sense from a Christian faith point of view of admiring how much our Lord's words uh, do unto your neighbour as you would like done unto you. Love your neighbour as yourself. What has been put into practice by a lot of people, uh, obviously the hospital uh, staff, the healthcare staff in general, not just hospital, but in general across the board, have been exercising what we would call the baptismal priesthood in their ministry, in their lives, in their work. And I think that's perhaps something we need to appreciate more, that the church is more than the building and more than the Sunday liturgy. The mm. church is a continuing heartbeat throughout the society of ultimately the presence of Jesus in his new commandment, in his words lived out, and that a lot of people were doing that, perhaps not always fully conscious of it. Pope Francis talks about that in his encyclical and the joy of the gospel, a wonderful document worth, worth reading, he makes that point. He said, look, even though maybe pe many people aren't coming to church, many people are baptized. And we've got to believe that that baptism is at work in their lives. And I think we saw something of that during the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. Another learning curve clearly has to be for us as a faith community, the, the, the importance of technology. We saw a lot of priests reinventing themselves as uh, and the pastoral ministry of the telephone, as I call it, or more visibly, Facebook, web cameras, those 
new means and I think a rediscovery that in fact a lot of people do like to go on those means and maybe we need to discover in the future in terms of our own ministry how they work for us. That mm. would be another, I would say, outcome from this uh, pandemic. There'd be many more, but another one I think would be, it strikes me that this COVID crisis has helped us in a way as a diocese look forward a little bit because in a way we got a taste of what it's going to be like in five or six years time mm. because many of our priests over 70 were shielding or cocooning as they say some people don't like that word cocooning but we got a sense of you know what will it be like in five or six seven years time uh we got a sense of how many clergy we have i reckon we'd about 40-ish 40 clergy who had to keep services going at the level of the funerals. Now, primarily, that's all we had in this particular time of the COVID crisis. Uh, clearly, in the future, we will still have the other services, all the sacraments, baptisms, ministries, administration, all those things. So I, it was a bit of an eye opener to us and maybe a help that we need to start really naming this and recognizing that nothing is written in stone, you know, people who might have all their lives long gone to a particular mass or a particular routine, this time around realized they had to change the routine. Either they had to go streaming or they had to go to another event, another way of doing it. Or even now that they're getting back, they may have to go to other churches or there may be, especially with the sacraments, there may be new ways of doing it. Priests had to go to different churches and maybe take funerals in other parishes that they wouldn't normally be in. So that people saw maybe a greater sense of movement between parishes. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe important because I think as we move forward, the pastoral units are going to be terribly important. No isolated parish in the future will have the resources on its own moving mm -hmm. forward. That's my sense of it at the moment. And maybe COVID has shown us a little bit of that. Indeed, trying to take, I suppose, the learning from it all and silver, 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 silver linings from every cloud. Bishop Brendan Lee, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the program. Uh, we have to. I'm afraid we we keep talking, but I'm afraid time is against us. So as we uh, just conclude the second part of the program, we're going to close out with um, a version of "The Lord Is My Shepherd." And for listeners that are going to listen to this, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to figure out where you've heard it before, and we'll tell you our, in part three of the program. Bishop Thanks, Brendan, Jane. thank you Thanks, so much John. for being on us. Thank you. Bye bye.
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space 102FM. My name is John Keeley. Uh, thanks again for staying with us. Shared Ambrose is still with me, of course. And we thank Bishop Leahy again for joining us this morning and for that wonderful, inspiring chat that we just heard Shane and Bishop sharing with us this morning. So now we come to a part of the program where we read and reflect in the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane will share this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 24 to 43. Jesus put a parable before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everybody was asleep, his enemy came, sowed down all among the wheat and made off. When the new wheat sprouted and ripened, the darnel appeared as well. The owner's servants went to him and said, Sir, was it not good seed that you sowed in your field? If so, where does the darnel come from? Some enemy had done this, he answered. And the servant said, Do you want us to go out and weed it out? But he said, No, because when you weed out the darnel, you might pull up the wheat with it. Let them both grow together till harvest. And at harvest time, I shall say to the reapers, First collect the darnel and tie it in bundles to be burnt. Then gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is the biggest shrub of all and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and shelter in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast. A, a woman took and mixed it with three measures of flour till it was leavened all through. In, in all this, Jesus spoke to, to the crowds in parables. This was to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. Then leaving the crowds, he went to the house and his disciples came to him and said, Explain the parables about the darnel in the field to us. He said this in reply, The sower of the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the subjects of the kingdom. The darnel, the subjects of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them, the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. Well then, just as the darnel is gathered up and burnt in the fire, so it will be at the end of time. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out, uh, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that provoke offences, and all who do evil, and throw them into the blazing furnace, 
where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. Then the virtuous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Listen, anyone who has ears. So that's the gospel for today, this 16th Sunday, um, taken from Matthew. A long gospel, one that we're one that we're very very familiar with, Shane, and I think it's important that we hear this gospel again anew as we did this morning. Would you like to share a thought? I, yeah, a um, couple of things I suppose that struck me about it. Um, there was there was different facets of it, so I, there, there's about four. So just bear with me, John. So I think um, the first thing that struck me about it this morning was I was when just even when you were reading it there and I was listening back to that bit about the yeast and the bread. And I was thinking to myself, one of the challenges sometimes with the parables um, is that they they can be people can't associate with them, particularly where they speak to um rural or agricultural things like sowing of seeds or sheep or shepherd and all this kind of thing. But I was thinking this morning, that one should be very easy for people to get right now because one of the great trends during COVID was sourdough bread. So the understanding of what he's trying to get across in terms of Christians in the community being 11, uh, it should be something that we much have much be have easier to grasp it and i think for myself a lot of people would be able to get that one this time if you if you were one of those people that was making your sourdough bread that part of the gospel this morning should really be able to speak to you in terms of what jesus is trying to get across in terms of what we have to do to bring the kingdom of god into our lives the second thing that struck me then was that issue that part of the parable where he was talking about the mustard seed and for me When I hear that, um, I suppose the thing that comes to mind is the utter generosity and the utter exuberance of God. You know, in terms of from the smallest, smallest things comes this big bush to shelter the whole world. You know, that kind of a way. And I think, you know, that's something for us maybe to think about uh, this Sunday, that it's the small little things that can have the biggest impact, even though we don't realize it. And that, for us, it could be the word that you say to someone. It could be the kindness that you show to someone. That would be that little mustard seed that would be able to spark in a way and grow in a way that you don't know. Um, And that, but that as we are called as Christians to live out our lives by spreading that exuberant love of God. The third thing that struck me, John, this morning was that last line, listen anyone who has ears. And... That's actually echoing, I think it was last week's Sunday's Gospel, or the Sunday before, I can't remember which, and that whole thing about Jesus calling us to respond. Because one of the dangers, I suppose, that we have when we hear a parable is that we're too comfortable with it, we're too attuned to it, we're too familiar with it. But if a parable is comfortable to you, it's not doing its job. A parable is supposed to challenge us. It's supposed to knock us out of our comfort zone. And I think the first part of the gospel does that this morning, which is this whole thing about sowing the darnel amongst the wheat. And I think, I suppose, the thing that we need to remember about it, I suppose, is that, you know, while growing next to wheat, darnel cannot be distinguished from the actual wheat itself. But it's a weed, right? And one of the key thoughts, I suppose, in this parable is the owner is telling his servants to not go through the field cutting out what they thought to be darnel. It would be easy to uproot the crop as well. And I suppose 
we may judge someone as being pesky, Darnell, while they're actually ripe in tweet. But to know the difference, Nick, requires discernment, patience, kindness, gentleness, openness, and definitely being open to the Holy Spirit. Shane, thank you very much indeed for that. So this morning, what really cut, cut me and has been stayed with me for the last few days has been that first part of the gospel in the third sentence when it says, while everybody was asleep, his enemy came. And so down all around the wheat and, and made off. And I suppose what I was thinking about there was, as I go around sleepily on my journey through my life, maybe, maybe as a faith community we're doing that too, by not coming involved where I know that wrong has been promoted, just standing back and leaving, leaving the world and leaving society make make decisions and and, and laws even and things that we should take for granted. And I know they're wrong, and we all know in a way they're wrong. But Satan does not fall asleep. He has he has his his followers sowing evil thoughts all the time, evil thoughts, evil ideas, and evil evil values. While we do nothing to promote God's values, Satan is busy working away at these values. Today, I suggest, myself anyway, maybe some of us could maybe make a further commitment as Christians to stay awake and to live out our, li- and to live out our lives as Christians. By our being asleep to the erosion of Christian values around us, we're helping Satan and the Daniel to lead others away from God. And I suppose that's the other thing. Am I asleep? to the needs of others. Maybe there's times when I can say something or help somebody or encourage a Christian, a fellow Christian, in the struggles maybe with with what's happening in the world today and I, and I say nothing and just leave them struggle away and next thing they fade away. Um, but we all have a responsibility to maintain and promote the kingdom of heaven in our surroundings and we, we cannot leave it to others. And I know as a parent, and I know an awful lot of parents, um, I've had the same thoughts going through uh, life as, as, as I do, you know, that our, our children maybe are not following or accepting their faith as we did, uh, as we think we did anyway, over the years. The only thing I'd, uh, I had to ask myself this week is, have I been asleep when my children and the younger generation needed to hear something? Have I just not bothered and just leave them do their own thing? Whereas my responsibility should should have been maybe to stand up and maybe help them in their times of need. I'll finish off with a little reflection that I sometimes like quoting from Michael de Vertai. And he says something like this. He said, Lord, we thank you for those who educated and guided us from youth. They saw that we had bad traits as well as good ones. That Dana was mixed in with the good wheat they sowed in us. There were people who wanted to weed out the darnel, but they said no, lest the wheat be pulled up also. If they did not let us mix freely with others, we might no longer be open and generous. If we were not allowed to make mistakes, we would never take risks. If we did not f- feel free to ask foolish questions, we would never learn. So we thank you for those who let wheat and darnel grow till harvest time. And now we have gathered the wheat and can let the, the darnel be burnt. That's my little contribution just to finish up the programme this week. But it brings us to the end of the programme. Uh, again, we want to thank uh, Bishop Brendan 
and Jane for sharing those few thoughts with us in, in part two of the programme. As I said, over the next number of weeks, we've got a, 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 a number of guests coming on. And again, we'd encourage you again to, 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 stay, to stay in touch with us, to stay in touch with the programme. Maybe by texting us on 87 if you've got any thought in regard to maybe music or an idea that we should, people we should um, have on the programme to discuss or, or, or topics that we should, we should talk about. But in the meantime, also, maybe you have a saint that you want Shane maybe to, to get some information on. Maybe there's a song you want Shane to sing. I'm not too sure what chance we're going to but Anyway, whatever it is, chances anyway. 87 in the meantime, we'll have to go for our final piece of music this morning. And Shane, you've got one, and it's a beautiful one. It's by Matt Ma. Matt Ma. It's by. I thought it was. I thought it was a nice, cheery one just to finish the program on, John. It's by Matt Maher, and it's entitled Crisis Ridden. So, for myself and Shane, next week, thanks again for joining us. Take care during the week. God bless now. Bye. Bye. Thank you.